welcome. This is Boo, the podcast featuring Kristen Porter, me, and Amy Ramirez. Me. And this is a podcast where we discuss all things true crime, supernatural, urban legends, anything spooky dealing with POCs, black and brown people, BIPOC, Yes. All of that. Um, so. And, yes. And if you hear us laughing, it is because we're dangerously unprepared and also really nervous. <laughs> so. Really nervous and awkward. Yes. Um, but it's okay. We're going to pull through it. It's our first episode. So be we'll kind. iron out the kinks. Yeah. Please, please be kind. We will iron out the kinks as we go. Yes. All right. So, Amy, yes. how was your day? Um. It was actually pretty boring. Um, I, well, actually, I don't know. I guess it depends on how you define boring. So I woke up today with plans to go to my classroom and like finish mm-hmm. setting it up. Um, but I got really tired. And also I was like, uh, this is the very last day before we officially have to go back to school as teachers. So I kind of mm-hmm. wanted to enjoy it a little bit. So I decided not to go in today, which I'm probably going to regret later when I'm running out of time scrambling. Mm-hmm. Um, so I woke up, ate some oatmeal, mm-hmm. um, and then I watched, so I'm really into this show called My Big Fat Fabulous Life on TLC. Okay. I got Discovery okay. Plus just Ooh. for that show. Yeah. Um, so then I did that. I watched that, yelled at my TV because I actually have a love-hate relationship with Whitney Waythor, who's the protagonist of that show. Um, mm-hmm. I think her message is good, but I just think overall she's a terrible person. So <laughs> I, don't, uh, I don't know. So I was like, so I did that for a while. Um, and then afterwards I took a nap mm-hmm. and then I went to the gym, had a really intense workout. Congrats. Thank you very much. Um, and then maybe I should give my gym a shout out. Shout out to Verity. Speed and straight. Hell yeah, Verity. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then... I went to the grocery store, then took my dog out to poop, mm-hmm. then I took a shower, then I ate dinner, and then I'm talking to you. Cool. And you also saw chicken today. Yes. Wild chicken. I did. In the morning, as I was walking my dog, I saw a wild chicken. Oh, my God. You remembered. I, like, <laughs> that was so weird. I was just kind of like, is this really, like, where I live? <laughs> it was so weird. I wonder. I hope that chicken didn't get run over or anything. I know. Yeah. Did it cross the road? You know what? I thought of that joke in my head as it was happening. I was like, I was like, oh my god, wouldn't it be cool if it legit crossed the road? Um, but no, it did not. It just kind of like was like walking and like pecking in the same basic direction. Oh no! I think it was kind of scared to go anywhere else. Oh. But then when I went to when I my dog and I walked back, it um. Hi, Ronnie. It's okay, Ronnie. We're, we're, we won't share the video. You guys can't see it, but Ronnie's like, Ronnie Kristen's boyfriend is like hiding. <laughs> like <Crouching>. stalking. <laughs> stalking. <laughs> uh, Ronnie's a good guy. Ronnie's a good guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, we walked back and I like didn't see the chicken. So I was like, oh, I hope whoever owns him took him in or something. But it was. Yeah. Yeah. My dog wanted to chase it. And I was like, this dog, this chicken would probably beat up my dog, not the other one. So, yeah, Teddy's actually Teddy. like, yeah, shout out to Teddy. Teddy's my dog. Um, he's just lying here next to me. He's a good, a good doggy. He just heard his name, so he sat up. 
but yeah, that was my day. How was your day? So my day was very boring. Uh, I work from home. Uh, whoever's listening to this, I've been working from home since the start of the pandemic. So most of my days just kind of like blend into one. So I just like woke up and I've been sitting in front of my computer all day long. Uh, I we're in like proposal season at work. Mm -hmm. So we're just like sending out proposals and it's just been very stressful. And I just got through like my last like stressful proposal, I hope for the proposal season. Mm -hmm. So um, I've just been like reveling and not being stressed out all day. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, literally all day I was just like, I was just working and sitting in front of my computer. And then um, after my work day ended, I had tacos for dinner. Oh yeah. Homemade tacos. Yeah. Um, Shout out to tacos. Yep. And then, uh, unfortunately, they gave me some acid reflux, but <laughs> such is life. Um, <laughs> um, and then I watch. I downloaded Pluto TV. I don't know oh, if you've heard of that, that Amy. No, it's I literally don't. like a live TV app. Because I, um, I was looking. I wanted to watch Catfish on MTV because that's like a nice, like mindless show to watch in the background, mm-hmm. and. I saw that they have like a Pluto TV channel and it's free and I downloaded it and they literally have just like, like it's like having cable and it's free and they have like oh. different MTV channels. Like uh, they have like a romance channel and 16 and pregnant was playing on there. And then on the I settled on channel. That's what I was saying. But it didn't seem romantic. I mean, I guess, I mean, I guess like nothing sexier than watching teenagers struggle through yeah like, I feel like that would I don't know I'm not a teenager so maybe I don't know but I just feel like that would be such a turnoff because <laughs> nothing honestly like nothing seems unappealing to me as being a teenage mother and like this is like not enough this is not a slut like a this is not um like an insult to teenage mothers I like mm-hmm. it's just like you know I, I think if you remember like when we went to high school there were a couple of girls that um, got pregnant during that time and it just it never there was never anybody that I saw that was like this chick has her shit together this mm. chick, you know what I mean like you could be mm-hmm. the best mother but that doesn't mean that raising a child as a teenager is easy yeah so, right I mean at and least that, if you were like a responsible mother and you tried yeah. then it because I also knew girls that just like had the baby like gave them to their mom and then just like went on with life as if they didn't just give birth to a baby like it's but that was few. That was few. Yeah. There's a couple of girls yeah. like that on 16 mm-hmm. pregnant and on Teen Mom. Uh, I mean, there was, I mean, sorry, not to digress, but there was actually, I saw like um, on Reddit, on my little true crime discussion Reddit page, or maybe it was, I don't remember which one, but um, one of the girls from Teenage, from 16 and Pregnant just recently got arrested for child porn possession. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. I don't know where her name was, but ah, I'm sure if I Googled 16 and Pregnant, I'd find her. Yeah, I'm kind of curious. I didn't recognize her. Was it the um, fair? Was Farah Aber? No, oh, that's rude. No, that's the only. That's the only one I recognized, and that wasn't her. Yeah. Um. Sorry, I'm burping here. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. I just it's drink okay. uh, Spindrift sparkling water. Shout out to them. <laughs> um. Okay, hold on. I'm trying. To... Oh, they're okay. Yeah, she's right here. Um. So former, this is from People Magazine. Uh, former mm-hmm. season of Pregnant Star sentenced to more than six years in prison for child pornography. Oh, wow. So her name is Lori Wicklehouse. Lori Wicklehouse? Yeah, she looks rough. 
She looks rough. Um, she was indicted last year on 20 counts of possession dang, of a matter portraying a minor in a sexual performance. Um, so he pleaded guilty. Let's see. Apparently, according to like the Reddit page, she like had already lost all custody of her kids. Oh, I recognize uh, her. I remember her episode. Oh, you do? Mm-hmm. Oh, I guess like she also like her parents. So apparently, like according to the Reddit page, she was strongly persuaded by her parents to give up her first child for adoption. Mm. And then I think she had a couple of other kids that she lost custody of. Oh my goodness. Uh, which is a good thing because yikes that is but i'm not i'm not down i'm not downplaying this at all but it could be you know when they say like child abuse images or like child pornography um it that's like a very vague statement and so Mm. it doesn't really tell you if it's like pictures of little kids or if it's like a 16 or 15 year old which doesn't Mm. doesn't make a difference it's always it's all illegal it's all disgusting Right. Um, but I think it gives more context into like what am I trying to say? I don't know, like it's just like into the kind yeah. of the kind of predator she is, I guess. Right. Um yeah. yes. That's so ugh, yuck. Well, uh So I guess I- like segueing into that. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, so I guess with this podcast, our uh, our goal is to tell stories of, mm-hmm. um, you know, like, you know, spooky stories, you know, missing, yeah. you know, unresolved mysteries or mysteries that have been solved are still pretty interesting. But mm-hmm. um, like you said, like in the context of people of color, um, focusing, you know, on black and brown people because you're black, I'm brown. Mm-hmm. Um, but we will... Um, occasionally include cases where there are white people involved. Oh yeah. Um, mm-hmm. We, I think you and I were like, we're going to call it like white people Wednesday, but we we're like, no, it's probably not like PC. Um, yeah. So we'll, so we'll come up with, unless you guys like that name, but I doubt yeah. will. Let I us know. Someone will probably be like, that's racist. Yeah. Um, so, but we'll come up with like a different name, but um, we'll, you know, because our focus, we do want it to be, on people of color specifically just because especially in the crime community those aren't really cases that get a lot of attention unfortunately right yeah um but you know there are cases you know where there are white people involved which obviously like every life is important every Um, you know every person regardless of color gender nationality ethnicity deserves justice um Mm -hmm. so definitely there will be cases where you know we will mention you know white people of course but we just wanted to make the main focus of this podcast um, just people of color. Um, right. And there's just such a, like, just in terms of, like, urban legends um, yeah. and traditions, I just feel like there's such, like, rich history yes. um, that that I would, like, that I wanted to, like, highlight and kind of spotlight as well. Yeah. Um, that, not to say that, like, other well you know I kind of felt like there might have been like kind of a gap in some of the podcasts that I listened to um and I'm hoping that like this podcast can fill that gap yeah absolutely um so I guess with that uh do you know who you want to go first do you want to like rock paper scissor it okay okay ready yep 
Rock, Rock paper, paper, scissors, scissors. shoot, shoot. Ah. Okay. <laughs> Rock. Rock. Paper. paper scissors. scissors. Shoot. Okay, you go first. Okay. <laughs> All right. Oh, right. Okay, let me pull up my show notes. If anyone's wondering, Kristen had paper and I had rock. Yeah. Because <laughs> we're on video, but we're not going to share the video. Yeah. Uh, at least not like, I don't know. Not right That's now. good because I'm like not wearing a bra. Yeah, me neither. So we don't, no one needs, yeah. Um, okay. So my very first story is about the myth, the legend, the original voodoo queen of New Orleans, yes. Marie Catherine Laveau. But I'm first, excited. yeah. First, I feel like we can't talk about Marie Laveau without discussing voodoo. So voodoo originated in Louisiana, New Orleans to be exact, and has roots in religions from West Africa, um, roots from the spiritual traditions of indigenous people in the United States, as well as some elements of Roman Catholicism. And I also want to make a point to emphasize that Louisiana voodoo and Haitian voodoo, I hope I'm pronouncing this correctly, are not the same. Like a lot of writers, I think, and historians have kind of like gotten it wrong because they tend to conflate the two religions, but they're completely different or like not completely different, but they're, there's two separate religions. Right. Um, so like the, so like, the, mm-hmm. sorry, hold on. Sorry. Don't interrupt. Um, oh so no, go ahead. Vo- please. So there's voodoo and then voodoo. Mm-hmm. Voodoo. Yeah. Okay. And then to add to that, um, which I feel like, honestly, I could do, um, Haitian voodoo in a whole other episode, but Haitian voodoo, I believe, and I will need to fact check myself between then and the next episode. But Haitian voodoo, well, I'm sure stemmed- someone will fact check you. Yeah, fact check you. Yeah. <laughs> Haitian voodoo stemmed from Vodun from the country that is now Benin in Africa. So Vodun in Africa influenced Haitian voodoo, and okay. then Haitian voodoo influenced. Um, Louisiana or American voodoo, but they are separate religions. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. So I'm specifically for this episode, I'm specifically focusing on American voodoo. So enslaved black people from West Africa were forcefully brought to Louisiana in the early 18th century. Um, Louisiana was a French colony at the time. And their traditional West African religious practices merged with French, Roman Catholic, and the indigenous spiritual traditions. And this combination resulted in voodoo. And voodoo does not have like an official theology or hierarchies, but that has also shifted over the centuries, like to where in the 19th century, voodoo focused on ancestors or spirits of the dead, whereas there was like a revival in the 20th century kind of with voodoo where um, it focused on a lot of deities from Haitian voodoo, which adds to the confusion. Um, yeah, there's a lot of, th- I'm like, okay, so because voodoo is from Benin. Vodun is from Benin. Voodoo oh, okay. is from Haiti. Okay. 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 Yeah. Sorry. But <laughs> it, do- it does get confusing though because yeah. they do like, a lot of the people that practice voodoo now do, I believe, worship certain deities from deities, deities from 
Haitian voodoo, but okay. it is still two separate religions. And another thing about voodoo is that a lot of, you know, white people would observe like black people practicing their traditional right. like African religions and just label it voodoo. Like it was just like a blanket term for any like right. non, I feel like non like Christian or non-Western religion that black people were practicing, but it might right. not necessarily been voodoo, but it would, like in a historical accounts, it was right. called voodoo. Yeah. I mean, so like, that adds I, to the community. So like, I think that's, I mean, I think that's very true of like a lot of things, not mm-hmm. just like religion, but I can definitely see that because I think growing up, I often confuse Santeria and voodoo because yep. it just seemed like, I mean, at the time it seemed like they were basically the same thing. But mm-hmm. it also probably had something to do with the fact that I didn't research it any mm-hmm. more. But yeah, that's that makes sense. That doesn't actually surprise me. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And honestly, like in pop culture, it's all just like mischaracterized. And like right. a lot of the things that we think we know about voodoo are complete stereotypes and probably not even an actual like voodoo practice at all. And like there are like self-appointed voodoo priests and priestesses, quote unquote, that play up these stereotypes and they blend things together like Santeria, Voodoo, um, specifically to like unsuspecting tourists. Yeah, I was um, going to say, like there's probably a lot of money in mm-hmm. um, like, <laughs> I don't know, it's sort of like this weird, like this weird thing that, I mean, I know it's not just like white people who do it, I'm just gonna say like America like American tourists are like very like when they go to different states or they like look at different cultures like there's this almost this fascination with the other and you can yeah. make like a you can make a pretty pretty good amount of money scamming ignorant kind of racist people who are just kind of like fascinated with the apparent exoticism of it yep. all I don't know it's interesting like I feel I respect the hustle like I would never I would never judge anyone for doing that yeah, and honestly, I'm not going to lie to you. I've definitely been that tourist. Like, when I went to New Orleans the first time, mm-hmm. I went to this, and, okay, I feel bad saying this, because the book I that I used for the main source material cited mm-hmm. this um, voodoo, there's a voodoo museum in New Orleans that the book cited might have kind of been guilty of playing up some, some of those stereotypes, mm-hmm. and I've been there, like, I've literally been there, and I definitely purchased, like, one of the Greek, which I'll talk about later, like, the Grigri bags to, like, ward off evil spirits. So I definitely purchased one of those, like, oh, bags. Lord. I know. I know. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, but that oh, was a, that. Kristen, how could you? I know. I'm, I know. I'm so embarrassed. But, that, like, that's the thing. Like, voodoo has been, so, like, so mischaracterized, like, in, in the, like, in, in media, mm-hmm. Like, it's been played up like it's this, like, evil, satanic, like, devil-worshipping type of, like, witchcraft thing when it's a – in reality, it's really a neutral religion. It's a neutral practice. And it depends on the person whether or not you want to use it for good or if you want to use it to harm people. But it's not an evil religion. But, like you were saying, people were – But you can say that about – like, you – right. Like, people were other. you keep going. Yeah. Oh, well, no, I, I was just gonna. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> this is just really hard because, like, I think there's like some lag on either my part or your part, but it's okay. We'll or is it on. okay? Yeah. Um. But yeah, like I was gonna say, like you can pretty much do that with like any religion, because mm-hmm. I mean, 
with Christian, like you definitely like with Christianity, you could definitely use Christianity to be like, Jesus loves everybody. You know, there's this unconditional love. And then you can also like use Christianity as to like stand outside of, uh, stand outside of like a bakery or a Mm. funeral and be like, God hates, you know, gay people. Yep. And like, yeah, so you can definitely, which is, which is weird though. Cause like when you talk about Christianity, people are really quick to defend Christianity. Mm-hmm. Like, oh no, not everyone's like that. But then with things like voodoo or like Santeria or other religions that are seen as like almost like too, too far off, like yeah. apparently like too far off what, you know, of like, cause I guess like in the world there's like, you know, you know what I mean? Like the big, the big five main religions, like if it's a religion mm-hmm. that seems a little bit farther off from those big five, it's like, oh no, like it's evil or whatever. So yeah, and I think that's a lot, a lot of that because um, I see that even from I don't know. This is just things I've seen on social media, but even people in Africa, I feel like like who have who kind of were con- like their families were converted to Christianity and eventually like they they are Christian. Like they see their own like traditional like African religions as as kind of like 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 kind of like a witchcraft type of thing, like an other type of thing. Um, so I can just yeah, it's just like that whole thing of like non-Western religions like just being kind of like villainized. Um, and then mm-hmm. another thing is that with with voodoo and especially um, the time period that it had emerged. Um, it was used to, it, it, like, they used voodoo, like, they criminalized it. Um, they, they kind of, like, stirred kind of, like, unease, like, oh, all these white women are, like, fraternizing with black men and kind of, like, scared people um, into being more afraid of voodoo that way. Um, and a lot of it was, like, a lot of this mischaracterization and fear of voodoo is based on, like, racial fears, like, white people's fear of black people non-white people um so that kind of sets up like the backdrop of like what marie laveau was like the time period and like the culture that she was living in so on to marie laveau herself um the history of marie laveau is surrounded by mystery and folklore and there are many many contradicting accounts of her life who she actually was, who her daughters were. Um, So I'm getting most of my information from this really great book, and I'm going to butcher her name, but it's by Ina J. Fandrick, and it's called The Mysterious Voodoo Queen, Marie Laveau, A Study of Powerful Female Leadership in 19th Century New Orleans. Yes, queen, boss lady. (laughs) Wait, no, it's a boss bitch, boss bitch. Yeah, boss bitch. Yes. Uh, Shout out to Ina um <laughs> apologies if Kristen just sorry your name fuck sorry um okay so Marie Laveau Marie Catherine Laveau was born in New Orleans in what is now the French Quarter um of New Orleans which is what I just said Ooh, on I'm September 10th I'm going there in September <laughs> really mm-hmm. Ooh, you might be there on her birthday September 10th 1801 oh, no I won't I'll be there later uh, in September but it's okay, okay. 
Um, she was born a free child of color to Charles Laveau. Oh, I'm also, there's a lot of French names here. I will do my best. Last time I took, I took French in high school. That was the last time I spoke French. I'm so sorry. I'm going to butcher all this. I'm sorry. I'll do my best. Why um, didn't you check with me? I have literally I know. have a master's in French. That I know. I messed up. I should have. Please, if you can hear what I'm trying to say, please feel free to jump, like, correct me. Okay. I'll try, so. but no promises. <laughs> So Laveau was born a free child of color to Charles Laveau, a Creole plantation owner and also a free man of color. And okay, okay here we go. Marguerite Darcantel, also a free woman of color. Um, according to historical record, they're both half black and half white. Marie was born Roman Catholic and she was a practicing Catholic her entire life. And some believe that Marie's mother, Marguerite, was a healer or a voodoo doctor, but we don't know for sure. Mm -hmm. um, I couldn't find much about Marie Laveau in her formative years, but she married uh, Jacques Paris, a quote-unquote quadroon. I don't know if quadroon is a politically correct, acceptable term, but that is what I read in the historical documents. So quadroon, free man of color. What is that? And, um... I think a quadrant is one-fourth. So he must have been one-fourth white, one-fourth black, one-fourth. Oh, yes. Because quad means four. Yeah. Yes. I should have researched that before. But yes. Um, <laughs> uh, okay. So they they married in August of, 20, of not 2019, 1819. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So Jacques was a refugee from the Haitian revolution okay. their marriage did not last long and it was not a good marriage Yikes. i'm re i'm remembering the voodoo tour i went on in new orleans the last time i was there yeah. and according to the tour guide like she effing hated her, like Jacques. You know like absolutely hated him you know what's, you know what's interesting though is that for a marriage look so when what year did they get married 1819 yeah so for 1819 for a marriage to be considered bad and that bad enough to leave someone, you know that marriage sucked that was the ass. <laughs> yeah, the yeah. marriage was some doo-doo. Seriously. Uh, <laughs> he must have done so, something that was like absolutely terrible for her to be like, no, I'd rather be right? a divorced woman than stay right? in this marriage. Dang, okay. So the marriage didn't last long and he disappears from records around 1820. He died. And he's never, never heard of again. <laughs> he died. Well, yeah, there are rumors that she killed him, but evidence has emerged that he just kind of like, Dipped. like, I don't know, he went to some other part of Louisiana and just died penniless with like the, the clothes on his back as the only property. It, probably, so that, that's it, it. it also probably isn't hard to disappear in 1819. You just like go yeah, somewhere. No phones. You go somewhere and then just stop writing letters. <laughs> that's it. You're, you're gone. Like, I'm done. I'm off the map. <laughs> yeah. He could have been like the next town over and nobody yeah. knew. <laughs> and they're like, oh, I guess he's dead. Then. Yeah. <laughs> So Marie and Jacques had one daughter named Marie Angeli Paris, born in 1823. She disappears from record around the same time she was born. So it was assumed that she died, but there are no records of her death or burial, but her daughter she, died. Yeah, her daughter died. So after the death of Jacques Paris, Paris, um, Marie started going by the widow Paris. So she supposedly started a hairdressing business and it is believed that she made house visits to do her client's hair 
And around the same like time, an American Horror Story. Yeah. Ah, so around this, it all comes together. <laughs> yeah. Uh, shout out to Angela Bassett. Um, yeah, and around this time, she was getting more involved with the voodoo religion. So after Jacques disappears in 1820, she meets a man named Christophe Dominic Dumene de Glapillon, <laughs> <laughs> a white I'm nobleman. Sorry, I should not laugh. <laughs> The thing is, I also like can't see what you're trying to pronounce, so like I <laughs> cannot help you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, keep going. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, so she was married to Christoph. Well, no, they were not married. He was a white nobleman. They were never married because interracial marriages were against the law, but they were basically like common law. It was a common law marriage, and but, they were very. Oh, okay, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say, they were very, very happy together. Okay, good. He was like the love of her life. They were together until he died. Okay, good. I was hoping it wasn't one of those like creepy like Sally Hemings, Thomas Jefferson relationships where like people romanticize it now, but really it was like, you know. Well, he was like, well, he was 12 years older than her, but I don't think like, I think they had gotten together after she was like, what? potentially well into adulthood. I think that's pretty common too. Like a 12 year yeah. age difference probably wasn't that uncommon. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. with Christophe, um, she has five children and nice. uh, this is going to be a mess, but I'm going to just pile through. Maurice <laughs> Francois. Yes. Auguste Glapillon. That's one child. Okay. Marie Louise Caroline Glompion, that's two. Archange Glompion, that's three. <laughs> Marie Philomene Glompion is four. Okay. And then Marie Eloise Eucharist Glompion is five. Okay. So she had five kids together, but Marie was also known to take in several adopted children. So some accounts said Aww. that she had 15 children. Yeah, but chances are those extra 10 kids were just like adopted kids. Also, she a lot of grand her grandchildren like came to live with her, so that's she probably where that like came a from. Nice lady, she was. Um, so uh, Marie and Christophe were married up until his death in eighteen June of eighteen fifty five. So Marie Philomene Glapillon and Marie Eloise Eucharist Glapillon were her only children to survive into adulthood. Oh my! Her God. other children died in infancy and i think the other one died when they were like seven years old oh my god so six of her children died before they even got to adulthood i'm so glad i live in 2021 that sounds awful yeah totally totally awful oh my god and it could have been anything they could have gone like a paper cut and then like died of sepsis right like, and I, at least one of them died of yellow fever oh yeah yeah. I think a lot of them did. Yikes. Yeah. Dang. So that Marie, sucks. it does suck. Yeah. So Marie Catherine Laveau was known around New Orleans as the voodoo queen. She was a healer. She was an herbalist. No one knows exactly how Marie Laveau secured her place as a voodoo queen of New Orleans, but she secured her powerful reputation through her connections to the white elite of New Orleans and through her charitable acts to the sick, um, incarcerated, anybody who needed her help. Um, some believe that she was trained by a Sanite Day Day and Marie Salop 
or Dr. John. <laughs> I think um, salope in French means like slut. Oh. <laughs> salope? Salape? No, I legit think it does. I legit think it does. How is it spelled? S-A-L-O-P-P-E. Okay, hold on. Uh, Okay, so if it's double... Okay, hold on. Bitch. That's the translation. bitch? Yeah. Marie bitch? Okay. One P is bitch in French. I knew it. Um, And two P's? But two P's... Uh, the yay who magical word that means bitch or hoe in French. Oh, okay. Well, Yikes. Marie the hoe. Just kidding. Good um, for her. Yeah. Marie Salop or Dr. John, which is another like famous voodoo um, priest, I guess, uh-huh. of New Orleans. Um, and others believed, like I was saying earlier, that she was trained by her mother and grandmother who practiced mm-hmm. Catholicism, which has elements in voodoo. Right. But either way, she blended together the elements of Catholicism and voodoo. And interesting, interestingly enough, you could still consider yourself a Christian and go to mass. Mm-hmm. Well, at the same time, you could still attend voodoo rituals. So you go to the voodoo rituals, whatever you all that. But then you're still a, a Catholic. So that right. was like, that was okay. For at least in her early days. Later on, not so much. Right. Okay. So, yeah. So like I mentioned before, Marie was a was known to be a devout Catholic. She attended mass regularly and she was considered a good Samaritan. She visited incarcerated people. She offered them spiritual guidance, last prayers, last meals. Um, and in some cases, it was rumored that she secured their exoneration. Aww. And she visited sick people with like yellow fever and she gave them herbs to heal them. Um, yeah. And so she was also well known for her rituals, which she held at her home on St. Anne Street. Um, also in Cago Square, Square, which I think I heard you were going to as well, um, and Lake Pont Chartrain for um, Saint Saint John's Eve celebrations, which is an important day for Voodoo and also Catholicism. Mm-hmm. Um, so major ceremonies were held at this lake. There are like rumors of her like descending from the lake and like Ooh. going back into the lake, like she lived in the depths of the ocean or whatever. Um, That's cute. So. Yeah. So white people frequently attended these ceremonies and exaggerated and sensationalized what they saw. So a lot of these sensationalized accounts were probably because of that. Um, But at her rituals, it was pretty like multiracial, like people of color, black people, white people, all like hanging out together, like connected by Marie Laveau. Oh, Um, nice. Yeah. And so, yeah, so Congo Square was like a big place. Um, like I was saying before, it was that Congo Square was an important place for both free and enslaved black people, um, mm-hmm. because at those times, like they were only allowed to practice rituals and actually literally dance mm-hmm. on Sundays in limited places like Congo Square. So Marie Laveau would like she would go to Congo Square to like trade her Grigory bags, which are basically just like their their bags um, of herbs and roots, which are believed to bring positive things in our lives, depending on what you're looking for. So right. I can't remember if we were recording, maybe we were, but I visited a voodoo shop, probably one of those like touristy ones in New Orleans. And I actually picked up a Grigri bag for warding off evil spirits. So, but there are actual like Grigri bags that like voodoo priestess, priestesses and priests would put together um, for anybody's concerns that they want to address. Interesting. Yeah. So that's the first gist 
of Marie, Lave Marie Laveau the first. So now things are gonna get a little confusing. And this is where various stories and legends blend together. So one of Marie's daughters looked a lot like her and assumed her mother's position as the voodoo queen of New Orleans. But it's not clear when this happened. And in doing my own research, it's also not clear which daughter this was. But in most of the accounts- like, It'd mm -hmm. be hard to figure out if like all her kids died. So you just have to look at the ones who lived, right? <laughs> well, I mean, that's what you said. You said that like- Yeah, no, like, her kids that's true. Died. Yeah, all of her kids, like, yeah, all but two of her kids. Like, but the thing that's confusing is that people might have thought they were looking at Marie Laveau because they all looked alike. Uh, but changed, but in reality, it was either, it was one of her daughters. Uh, so, yeah. So in most of the accounts I read, Marie's daughter, Marie Eloise Eucharist, um, became the voodoo practitioner. Okay. And at some point, she assumed the identity of the original Marie Laveau possibly when she was still alive. And so Marie Eloise Eucharist, I'm going to call her Marie the okay. second, even though, oh, this is confusing. Even though Marie is actually the younger daughter, Marie Philomene is the older daughter, but we're calling her Marie the second because she actually followed in her mother's voodoo footsteps. So. Wow. She couldn't pick another name. She had to name all of her daughters Marie. Literally all of her daughters were named Marie, and that was a common that was a common thing to do in in those times was just name all your kids like the same name after you, um, even if they didn't have the same father. Uh, uh, so I don't like that, but okay, <laughs> <laughs> that's confusing. Very confusing. So I will do my best to differentiate. So Marie the second, she apparently closely resembled her mother, the original Marie Catherine. Laveau. OG. Some yeah, the OG Marie Laveau. Okay. Some believe that Marie and her mother, Marie the second and her mother, Marie the mm first, -hmm. planned the switch to lead the public to believe that she wasn't aging. Uh so after the yep. So after the original Marie Catherine the first Laveau died, there were reports that she was still alive, but that was most likely her daughter. Um, it is believed that some of the more sensational accounts. Uh, were regarding Marie's daughter and not the original Marie Laveau herself. So to add to the confusion, after their mother died, and this is what I heard on the tour, um, after the mother died, the two Maries, so Marie Philomene, the first daughter, and Marie Eloise, or Marie the second, destroyed all photographs that existed of their mother. So no known pictures of the original the OG Marie Laveau exist. So any pictures that you Google of Marie Laveau are most likely one of her daughters and not actually the real Marie Laveau. That's so, rude. I'm right? gonna Google that. Um, and so their other daughter, Marie Philomene, took care of her mother, Marie Laveau, into old age and was a devout Catholic. And she made a point to distance herself from voodoo, which I'm gonna talk a little bit about in a bit. Okay, so I have, I just have like, I was writing this all in like a narrative and then I just put like random bullet points, so bear with me. But I, here's just some like interesting tidbits about uh, Marie Laveau, which may or may not be Marie II or whoever else, but here's what people believed. So, number one, 
It is said that Marie Laveau could appear in many places at the same time. So like she was teleporting or whatever. But what was more likely the case was that because Marie Laveau had two daughters with the same name who looked exactly like her, and I'm going to add another complication to the mix, she had a younger half-sister who looked just like her, also named Marie. So it's very possible that these accounts literally just mix up all of them, all four of them. So they thought they were looking at Marie Laveau, but they were literally just looking at one of her daughters or her half-sister. And they all lived in the same place. So that adds the confusion as well. Um, Okay, so Marie Catherine Laveau, so Marie the First, who's Mm -hmm. also um, called the Widow Paris after her husband Christophe died. Nope, Jacques, after her husband Jacques died. So the first Marie and her common-law husband, Christophe, they bought and sold enslaved Black people with the intention to free them. And she had compassion, like I was saying earlier, for anyone who needed her help. Um, And she was just, like, she was just really known as, like, a good Samaritan. And there was, like, at least for the first Marie Laveau, a lot of people had um, a lot of respect for her, like, Mm -hmm. as a figure in New Orleans. And it was believed that Marie was psychic because she knew all the goings-on, um, in New Orleans, and people attributed that to a supernatural power. But what was likely the case, because she had a hairdressing business. I was just about to say she, that. Yeah, and she told her the go, tea as she was like shampooing exa- her. Exactly. So she would go <laughs> yeah. to because she she um, made house calls. She mm-hmm. didn't have like an actual salon, so she would go to these women's houses, mm-hmm. and of course, they're like you said, they're spilling the tea. They're telling her all of their secrets, and she also had informants. She had like house servants who were informants that would like spill the tea to her. And she would use that information to her benefit. Um, so then she was prescribing like uh, spiritual, you know, prescriptions. <laughs> she was prescribing those things. She was, she used that information to her benefit to treat her clients. Um, so she would prescribe some combination of like a Grigri bag, prayers, animal sacrifices, rituals, um, and people believed it was supernatural powers. They were none. They were none the wiser. Um, of course. There are also uh, records and accounts that Miss Marie Laveau was a madam. Um, so I just there was like a small yeah. There was a small paragraph, but apparently when she was older, um, there were accounts that she she ran some type of house uh, and made money made some money off of that. Um, Okay, so there's also, I wrote down here that there's also confusion over who the first voodoo queen of New Orleans was, if that was actually Marie Laveau, the first, or if it was her daughter, the second. So that's confusing, but it is generally believed that Marie the first held the first title of voodoo queen of New Orleans. Um, She held her famous dances in a place called Maison Blanche. Um, and had white and black people in attendance. Um, she was believed to be powerful and had a lot of political influence. A lot of people believe that she could use her voodoo powers to influence local politics and also the police. And some accounts claim that uh, they've seen her make policemen get down on their knees and bark like dogs. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, right? And then while many of her voodoo counterparts were arrested for practicing voodoo, Marie Laveau herself was never arrested. Good for her. Yeah. So some people believe that she used her powers or her influence to 
escape law enforcement. <laughs> um, many accounts claim that she had a snake named Zombie that she would dance with um, and used to like scare people, intrigue people, and also apparently she let the snake eat babies uh, oh. and like mess with people, I guess. Oh. Um, yeah, well, she's and not a nice lady if she does that. Well, okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna get to that because that's there's a couple conflicting of like whether she was like the Good Samaritan or she was like you know something else. Um, but basically, people consulted with her for everything: family tensions, financial issues, health issues, romance. Like people from all levels of class and race sought her guidance and healing powers. And so I have a little story of one of her supposed like healing like moments. Mm. So this wealthy old white man wanted to court the significantly younger woman. And he had the blessing of her father because her father was like, didn't have a lot of money. And so he wanted her to marry the wealthy, like old dude. Of course. Um, And, but she wanted nothing of the marriage. In fact, she had fallen in love with a younger man who was stationed in the West Indies. He was a soldier. Um, and she was waiting for him to come back and sweep her off her feet. So yes. eventually, yeah. So eventually her father locked her in a cabin <gasps> until she agreed to marry the old man. Oh my God. And she, yeah. So, and she continued to refuse. So her father finally went to Marie Laveau. Marie Laveau promised that the marriage would take place. So she gave them something to put in her food and she gave the old man, um, his name is Monsieur S, um, a Grigri bag to tie, um, I don't know if it's like a PG podcast, but. It's not, uh, I'll just say it. Okay, well, she basically gave him a Grigri bag to tie around his balls to cure his impotence. <laughs> <laughs> because he thought that the reason why she didn't want to be with him was because Wait. he was in it. I, I thought we were talking about this girl's dad. Oh, no, no, we're talking about her, both the dad and the guy, okay, and the so husband. who tied the bag around his balls, the old man or the dad? The old man, the old man. Ew. Yeah. Gross. So, okay, so <laughs> the Grigio bag tied around. <laughs> too funny. Yeah. So his the Grigio bag tied around his balls. Yeah. Uh, and then Marie Laveau <laughs> told them. His testicles. <laughs> his testes, yeah. So... She, Marie Laveau told them not to raise the issue of marriage for two weeks. So two weeks later, the girl finally relents and says she will marry the old man. And the wedding occurred shortly thereafter. And it was this elaborate affair. Everyone's drinking and eating and dancing and having a grand old time. Well, and then the guy comes from the West Indies. Well, during ah! the solo dance between the newlyweds, Monsieur S keels over and dies on the dance floor. Wait, who's Monsieur S? The old husband. Man? The old oh, man. The old man, okay. I thought it was his dad. Sorry, I'm confused. Okay. No, okay, forget the dad. The dad's not in this situation. So okay. <laughs> the, old, the old man, her husband, like her newlywed husband, dies. Keels over, over on their wedding day. So the the bag yeah. was probably too tight around his balls. Yeah, and it cut off her circulation. <laughs> Blood clot. <laughs> so the new widow inherits her deceased husband's fortune. <gasps> and after the obligatory mourning period, which I think was about right. a year, 
she reunites with her like long lost lover from the from well he wasn't from the west indies but her long lost like younger lover yeah Yeah. she reunites with him and then they're happy and live happily ever after and so that's the widow she didn't have to sleep with the guy right she didn't have to sleep with him i don't know no because like if he died on their wedding day oh that's true that's true Yeah. Yeah, yeah good for her so the widow asked Marie Laveau about this whole thing. And she says, I promised only that the wedding would take place. Oh, good Basically for her. Saying, yeah. So I was like, hell yeah, Marie. Um, yes. Okay. She, Marie was also known to trick white people into getting their money. I read one story where um, like this man came to her. He was like down and out. He didn't have any money to like feed himself. And so he came to Marie Laveau for help. And she basically took him into her house and laid a sheet over him and basically pretended like he was dead. And then she went outside and like was crying, was like, oh my gosh, like this family friend died and I can't afford to like pay for his funeral. And so she basically tricked people into like giving her money and then they both split the proceeds. (laughs) (laughs) Um. And then on the everything about her, I'm just like, this woman was in for the hustle. She was. That's and that's her. the thing is that she was a hustler. Even if there were no supernatural like pieces to yeah. it, she was a hustler. Um, okay, on the dark side, there were rumors that she engaged in cannibalism, ritual killing of children, breaking up relationships, and cursing people. I just had to throw that in. But, um, yeah, but like, what are the... I mean, not to say that like... What are the... Not to say that like that couldn't happen, but mm-hmm. like, I don't know. Sometimes, I mean, people who are just like terrified of what you're doing they're just kind of like make that kind of crap up and that's probably honestly that's probably what happened like people people who didn't understand like you were saying people who didn't understand what she was doing Mm -hmm. people who were afraid didn't agree they just came up with all these crazy rumors they get just get passed down um because people think that democrats eat babies Uh, oh you didn't know that QAnon. Oh, is it the pizza? The whole pizza thing, the PizzaGate. I actually don't know what PizzaGate is, but oh, <laughs> but but I've heard of it. But no, but I mean, like, there's this like QAnon, like QAnon legit believe, like Alex Jones, all of them believe that um, that Democrats or the left eat babies. Lord, God help us. What and if them. they did? <laughs> what if we, but like, what if, what if? All along, this is totally like not has nothing to do with what you're talking about. But what if, like, all along the QAnon people were right? Then I will become a Republican tomorrow if that is the case. (laughs) That's it. I'll be like, okay, that's it. I'm on the other side now. (laughs) Oh my god. Okay. Sorry. Keep going. I interrupted you. No, no, it's okay. All right. So those are my little factoids. So, okay. So Marie Laveau the first supposedly retired as a voodoo queen in the late 1860s and was succeeded by her daughter, Marie Eloise Eucharist, Marie II, as the voodoo queen of New Orleans. So Marie II was thought to be more flamboyant than her mother and some even considered her to be wicked. So that's where, like you were saying earlier about how maybe she was a nice person after all. So some people believe that some of these more like sinister like aspects of Marie Laveau were actually her daughter and not Marie Laveau the first, the good Samaritan. Mm. So, 
And she, like I said, some people considered her wicked. She didn't have the same charismatic personality as her mother. And people more so supposedly feared her than respected her. Um, so that was kind of the, so she couldn't really ever live up to the reputation that her mother like had garnered for herself. Um, so Dang. there, yeah. And then I'm just very like fixated on the identity of the Marie Laveau's. So there's some people who believe that Marie II was actually not one of her daughters, but one of her granddaughters or a woman who wasn't even related to the Laveau family, but who lived in her cottage on St. Anne Street. So it's like, who the hell was this lady? Um, all right. So Marie Laveau so the first. It is very weird. Um, Marie Laveau the first died on June 15th, 1881. So this is the mother, Marie Laveau. She was 79. Her obituaries make no mention of her famed designation as voodoo priestess, which was probably the doing of her youngest daughter, Marie Philomene, because Marie Philomene denounced voodooism and was a devout Catholic her entire life. And she wished to align her mother with Catholic sainthood um, when she died. Um, so the author um, of the book of the source material, she notes that when Marie the first died, reconstruction was ending and segregation was taking hold in the South. And so in Marie the first days, um, voodoo and Catholicism were freely intertwined um, because the culture of New Orleans was intertwined with the French, Spanish, African, and Creole environments. However, as reconstruction ended and failed, basically, American society became more stratified and segregated. And the two sisters, Marie II and Marie Philomene, basically had to pick between voodooism and Catholicism, or blackness and whiteness, in a way. Um, and Marie Philomene ultimately chose Catholicism and she chose to have her mother re remembered for not her voodoo, but for her good Samaritan acts and for her devout, like her, her devout Catholicism. Um, and like I said, Marie II chose to go off into, to, to be the, the next voodoo queen of New Orleans. So Marie Philomene died in eight, June, 1897. Okay, mm -hmm. so Marie the first, her mother died on June 15th, 1881. Okay. So Marie the second, people have said in, in what I was reading, they didn't know what happened to her. They thought she might have been a mortal. Um, people thought they have, you know, had seen her around in like the decades after like Marie Laveau the first died. Mm -hmm. uh, but apparently Marie the second died in June, 1862. <laughs> Wait, so, what? so Marie Laveau the first died in, on June 15th, 1881. Right. Marie the second died in June, 1862. During the Civil War, she was 35. So if Marie II died in 1862 mm -hmm. and Marie I died in 1881, it might be possible that the witness accounts regarding Marie II was someone else entirely. Oh. Like they were, yeah. So there were accounts of Marie Laveau's voodoo rituals as late as 1885. And at this point, both Marie I and II would have been dead. So they couldn't have seen either the historical Marie I or Marie II. So what was most likely the case was that people were either confused about the dates or they'd witnessed somebody else 
somebody else completely because Marie Laveau wasn't the only woman who practiced voodoo in New Orleans. But they probably just said that thought it was Marie Laveau. Maybe it was like a bunch of bunch of white people being like, oh, black people look the same. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? The first case. Yeah. The most famous case. Yeah, I, that blows my mind. It's like, who the hell, like, have all the stories about Marie Laveau been, like, complete, like, hooey? Like, how do we, like, what? That's so crazy. That blows my mind. It's so crazy. So Marie the First is widely believed to be buried in, she's, so she's buried as the widow Paris. I don't know if you are going to St. Louis Cemetery when you go to New Orleans. I think we are. But, I think that was one of the things in there. I yeah, so you're that. probably going to go to Marie Laveau's burial site well her name when you go her name is not on like the, the crypt it's she's buried as the widow paris so along with her daughters and her common law husband and other members of the Laveau family however some historians believe that she isn't actually buried there and neither is Marie the second so what, it's like what the fuck so either way um where would they be buried that's what i'm saying it's like what where the hell are these people Oh my god! They're probably like yeah. under someone's house. Right. Oh, no. see, <laughs> yeah, and it, that actually could be true because I know that like there were so many unmarked graves in New Orleans, like it, that they paved over like yeah. with roads. Um, so she, I mean, yeah. pro- there's probably someone who's like, "Why is my house so haunted?" And it's like, oh my gosh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> So either way, her burial site receives thousands of visitors each year. Um, I don't think this is the case anymore. I can't remember. But visitors used to leave behind tokens like candles and money in exchange for good fortune from Laveau um, beyond the grave. But after years of vandalism, um, you can't. You can only enter St. Louis Cemetery Number 1 with like a tour guide. So I don't think you can just like go into the cemetery and just like leave stuff anymore. Uh, and I think they like cleaned up her grave because people would like mark her like crypt with an X and it kind of looked a little like kooky, like, cause it was pink and it looked, yeah. yeah, it looked kind of like kooky, but they like repainted it. Um, and I don't think you can like leave stuff there anymore, yeah. but that's well, how it was before. Well, that, I mean, people are stupid. Like it, like people yeah. are stupid and they ruin like those people that are idiots, complete idiots, like ruin it for everyone else. Because you probably mm-hmm. had people, you probably had people that were like huge fans, but they're also like super inconsiderate. So they were like, mm-hmm. "Oh, this is cool. Let me let me desecrate this person's grave because I think I'm doing something cool." When in reality, you're disrespecting someone's like resting place. And then there's also yeah. like other like religious fanatical people that think she was like the devil, and are like, mm-hmm. "I'm gonna I'm gonna destroy this place for other reasons." Like it's. I mean, either way, they're stupid, but yeah, you can't have yeah. nice things. Yep. When I went, when I went to the um, the cemetery tour, uh, I, the girl, this girl in front of me, like stole a rock from the cemetery. Why would you? And do then that? that's like bringing yeah. bad juju to your house. That's you what I'm that? saying. I saw that and I was like, mm. so then when we walked <laughs> out, <laughs> Did you we walk- what if you like walked? What if you walked behind her and you were just like? <laughs> so I saw what you did right she she thought she was slick she like slipped in her pocket well uh this is basically when we left and we were like walking out of the cemetery she just like randomly collapsed <gasps> oh no yeah 
So I was like, um, so don't steal shit from cemeteries. Don't do that. Uh, See, that's what I'm saying. Like, that's just like such common sense to me. Like, why would you do that? Right? Mm-mm-mm. I hope she was okay. Was she okay though? Yeah, she was okay. She like, she got up like like she collapsed and then she got back up and I guess she was okay. Um, she didn't need like medical Dang. attention. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> she didn't wait. She collapsed in a cemetery and no one thought to get medical. <laughs> no, no, it was like outside the cemetery. Like we had, I think we had like we were like like wait, three minutes did, outside. Did she collapse or did she just like trip? She co or okay. So here's what here's the weird thing is that she literally just fell. Like she didn't trip. She like her foot like weirdly bent and then she just like collapsed or like fell. Maybe collapse no. is a bad word, but she just she just like fell and we were, I was like what what is at first I thought she was drunk, but she looked like she looked fine in the cemetery and then she just kind of like crumpled. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my god. That is all right. So. Weird. Yeah. So to wrap this up, all in all, in the case of the great Marie Laveau, um, basically the case that the author Fandrick makes is that because Marie the First shared the same name as her two daughters and a half sister, people confused these four women, blended the stories of their lives into one mysterious fabled character. But regardless of who Marie Laveau actually was, she was a significant figure for black women, women of color, and even white women because she represented a woman of color rising above her social status to be powerful and influential in her community in a time where black people were in chains and were second-class citizens. And she represented a challenge to social roles at the time because the majority of practicing um, people who practiced voodoo at the time, the majority of them were women. And that's the subject of this book Wow, was women in leadership. And it also goes back to like African traditions where like a lot of the traditions were like matriarchal in nature. So she represented this, this, this matriarchal and maybe matriarchal in a way um, and this powerful figure in a time where she was meant to be like a second class citizen. And so I think all of that is important regardless of who Marie Laveau actually was. And that's my story. Yeah. She was like, she was like ahead of her time. Yeah, Aww. and so that was I such think a that's good why, story, yeah. Kristen. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I, I've for some reason I found myself like very drawn to the idea of Marie Laveau, like the mystery yeah. of her. Just something about it, just like just sucked me in. Yeah, I think that's so cool. Like I had honestly had only heard of her. Um, literally, this is oh my god, such an eye roll. But I literally only heard of her from American Horror Story. Coming. Yeah, and I think that's how a lot of people like heard of her too. Yeah, that's okay. Uh, I wonder how historically accurate the show got it. Yeah, because I, would, I, I actually the, hair, heard of one the, of... the hairdressing thing, and then I think you also said like this perception that she didn't age. Mm-hmm. You know, because like in the show, it's that she was actually immortal. Yeah, so that's kind of cool. And- yeah, I kind of want to go back actually and rewatch that season to kind of yeah. see. Um, the only thing that I feel like, and maybe they talk about this in the show, is that because like she wasn't a witch, so because I know that this season was coven and it was about witchcraft, but Marie Laveau was not a witch. Like voodoo is different, right? Yeah, 
Interesting. But I think the show distinguished that. I think the show distinguished Oh, it did? Okay. I think they, I think, I also haven't watched it since college. Like, I haven't watched it since, like, my sophomore year of college. Yeah. But it's awesome. Yeah. So is it my turn? Yes, it is. Um, (laughs) Okay, so I did La Llorona. Um, (laughs) So uh, hopefully my pronunciation is slightly better than yours just because it will be Hispanic Hispanic (laughs) so hopefully I don't butcher the if I do butcher it it's that's gonna be really sad because I speak Spanish and I teach it's okay I won't know so hopefully none of my students are listening to this actually hope not because they're in middle school so oh yeah please cover your ears children go to bed because it's actually pretty late um okay (laughs) So, yeah, so I'm going to start off with La Llorona. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have four pages of research, but hopefully it's not super long. Um, okay. So, yeah, so I guess starting off with La Llorona, it is, um, that is a Spanish name. So the translation is literally Weeping Woman. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, I remember, like, being called La Llorona, like, as a kid, just because I cried oh. a lot. So that makes sense. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, yeah. So it literally just means weeping woman. Like, I guess that's the direct translation. La Llorona. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it is present in Latin American folklore. So um, despite what some people might think, Latin America is com- is com- is comprised of like probably 18 countries, maybe. Oh, yeah. 17, mm-hmm. 18 countries, which all have a different culture, all have a different identity. So there, I think... For the most part, there is a Yorona in most Latin American countries, but obviously, mm-hmm. you know, they differ, um, you know, from place to place. Um, and it also is a prevalent myth in southwestern United States. So, you know, the part that used to be Mexico, but then got um, conquered mm-hmm. and, you know, colonialized. Is that a word? I don't know. But, yeah, colonized. Yeah, col- that's the word. Colonized, colonialized. Oh, my God. <laughs> Uh, I got a four in my AP Lang exam in high school, so suck on But yeah, so Southwestern United States, so like Texas, New Mexico, I think, a real bad geography. Yeah. All those places. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, interestingly, it so the earliest documentation of the story is actually traced back to like uh, the mid-16th century, so like 1550. Um, and it, according to Wikipedia... Okay, which is where I got most of my information, so shout out to Wikipedia, is mm-hmm. uh, Mexico City, so which is the capital of Mexico. So that's where like the earliest documentation comes from. Um, however, it should be noted that the actual origins of the story are pretty difficult to trace back. Um, so there's kind of just like rough estimates. Um, and like I said, there's like different versions of the myth. Um, mm-hmm. And it was actually really overwhelming to go through the different versions of the myth. Um, yeah. So that being said, there is, according to Wikipedia, there is like a standard version of the story. Um, and I guess that the different versions will maybe vary in location or intent. Um, but there is like a standard version um, of it. And um, so, yeah, so according to Wikipedia, the typical version of the story uh, will include a beautiful woman, which, according to Wikipedia, her name is called. Uh, I'm gonna butcher this because I think it's actually like a Nawat, which is like 
one of the indigenous languages of Mexico. I think this is actually Nahuatl spelling. Mm-hmm. Uh, it starts with an X, so that like, mm. a nightmare. Um, <laughs> I think it's like Xochitl, which is like X-O-C-H-I-T-L. But in all other versions of the story, she's named Maria. Hmm. So I'm gonna go with Maria. Okay. <laughs> because I can pronounce that. Um, so yeah, so the typical version of the story is there's a beautiful woman named Maria, and she marries like a rich man who is sometimes depicted as like ranchero, um, who I guess like is like a rancher or mm-hmm. a conquistador. Um, so okay. like a Spaniard. Um, so in the typical story, version of story, she has two children with this man. Um, but then one day, I guess Maria sees her man with like dilly dallying with like another lady, like in some versions Mm -hmm. of story, they're like kissing other versions. They're like holding hands. Um, but anyway, this lady gets pissed. Maria gets pissed or sad. Um, and then she drowns her children in a blind rage. (gasps) Yeah, I know. That's stupid. But she does it. Why not drown the man? No offense. Why not just drown him? Why are you going to drown the kids? See, this is why I think the story was written by a man. Because I think had it been written by a woman, she definitely would have drowned the man and not the child. The children. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That's the... uh, Well, that's... Yeah. So that's how it goes. So I guess like in most versions of the story, she's the one drowning the children. Mm. Um, in a blind rage. So in this version, the typical version, she's like immediately regrets it. Um, right. And so she finds herself unable to save the children. Um, and then oh she's like consumed with guilt. So mm. um, usually like depending on the version of the story, she like either like tries to go run after like tries to j- jumps in the whatever water the body of water is to try to save them. Or she like kills herself afterwards um but either way she dies like she drowns herself um so uh she's unable to enter the afterlife so she's unable to go to heaven obviously you just killed your children yeah um so then she's forced in purgatory which i'm not catholic i don't remember but i do remember like world history class we talked about purgatory i think Mm -hmm. purgatory is sort of like where your soul is in limbo like yeah it's like like, you're neither heaven nor hell it's just kind of like you know that scene in Spongebob where, like, they go in the time machine and then Squidward's stuck in that, like, white space? <laughs> yes! That's what I think Limbo is. I That's a good one. That is a good one. Yeah, so I guess she's in, yeah, so she's in Purgatory. Um, and then she ends up, or not, actually, yeah. yeah, yeah, or Limbo or whatever. And then Whichever she one. actually ends up, like, roaming the earth looking for her children. So that's, like, where, that's, like, the typical version of the story. Um. Mm. So according to the website allthatsinteresting.org, there's another common version of the story where Maria is actually like vain. So she's actually evil. I guess in like the typical version, she's just kind of like a neutral lady. Like Mm -hmm. she's just like a to your typical pretty lady. And in this one, she's actually very vain and she's like mean. Mm. And she's reveling in town. So I guess she's like hoeing it up. Instead of taking her children. <laughs> um, I actually have no problem with quote unquote hoes. Um, but this is like, you know, this is old time. So this was like the worst thing you could do as a woman. So yeah. she's like hoeing it up in town instead of taking care of her children. So then she comes home one day dr- or one night drunk. Um, 
you know, and then she comes home and she finds that her children have drowned. So oh. due to neglect, she's cursed to search for them. Um, oh my God. Yeah. So that's like another common version of it, which this one seems a little bit more like woman shamey. Yeah. Um, like you can't have fun yeah. or else you'll ki- like, I don't like that. Like don't get drunk or else your kids will drown and you'll be cursed forever. Yeah. And cursed. Yeah. Be cursed to roam the earth. Yeah. Regretting your decision. Like, no. Nah. Yeah. Like it's just very like, I don't know. It just seems very like misogynistic mm-hmm. um so interestingly enough in some traditions la llorona, la llorona is is like she's feared so like she's descri- she's described as like a vengeful entity mm-hmm. um and so she is in some versions of the story she's like she will like grab or search other children search for other children mm-hmm. um search another Sorry, I'm getting email notification, uh, text notification. <laughs> um, yeah, so she's like she'll she'll search or grab other children to drown, like <gasps> to re- to replace her own children. Oh, is like to, wait, I that doesn't make sense. Yeah, to kill them because you're okay. <laughs> maybe like, when she wants them like, to be alive. Maybe she's just like blood hunt or what's the word? Bloodthirsty. Yeah, blood bloodlust. Um, yeah. So she's I don't know. Maybe she's like in a constant loop of like wanting to drown her children i don't know um and then in other traditions she's seen as a you uh, she's seen as a warning which yeah so she um belief so like it so when in so in some traditions she's viewed as a warning so not necessarily that if you find la llorona something's gonna happen to you in that moment but more of like if you hear her crying you will face death yourself which to me is oh, like no. terrifying. That is terrifying. That's more terrifying, terrifying than just having her drag you down yeah. like right then and there. Actually, oh. I don't know. Both of them sound pretty terrible. <laughs> yeah, that's actually sounds <laughs> equally terrifying. Uh, and this is this is my favorite. Um, she's often used as a disciplinary tool. Oh my god. She <laughs> Oh my god. I can definitely see my mom using this. Um, but yeah, she so apparently as a disciplinary tool, she appears to children who are unkind to their parents. Oh, yes. So like, I you- have to tell, yeah, I have to tell you. I'm sorry. <laughs> the one thing that always cracks me up about like, I feel like Latin American folklore. Some of like so much of it is just like terrifying stories. To just keep kids in check. It's like, yeah, oh, like don't do this or this horrific like demon lady is gonna like come up from under your bed and like snatch you yeah. under like. I'm like, God damn, like that's so scary. Yeah. Just to like come home before like, the lights come on. Yeah. I mean, I like I don't think because my parents are Salvadorian, so I don't think La Llorona was used a lot. But mm-hmm. there was like and I'm gonna do this one in a later episode, but there's a story of La Siwanava, who I guess is like the Salvadorian version of something similar to La Llorona. But my mom mm-hmm. says that like grandparents and her like parents would use that. And be like, oh don't stay gosh. out past a certain time or else let's see when I was going to get you. So I would imagine like you don't know the same thing. That would is, work on me. Because the thing is also like if you if you raise your kids to be afraid of La Llorona, you could literally use her for anything. You could be like, <laughs> you could literally be like, like if you get an attitude, with, if you catch an attitude with your mom, your mom's like, oh, excuse me. Let me make sure La Llorona, La Llorona gets you tonight. Yeah. Or she like, won't get you tonight. Yeah. Or if you like want to go out with your friends and it's like 10 p.m. and you want to stay out till 11. <laughs> Yeah, like you could literally be like, oh, well, La Llorona comes out at 10.30, so make sure you're home <laughs> by then. You know so she doesn't I mean? get you? Yeah, like, 
I don't know. That just cracks me up. Like that is that for me. I probably think that out of those three interpretations of the story, the disciplinary tool is probably like the most common one. Um, yeah, it makes me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I guess like a physical description. So if you ever run into La Llorona, this is how you'll know it's her. Um, so they're actually, from what I researched, and maybe I didn't do good enough research, there isn't a lot of like descriptions about her. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I've seen or what I've researched is, um, so people who've claimed to have seen her have said that it's hard to determine if she's a human or not because <gasps> she like, <laughs> she like, <laughs> this also like is not a good story to be recording at like 1030 at night. I'm not going to. Oh Lord. I'm scared uh, now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so like some people have claimed to have said that like, yeah, she, she's hard to determine if she's a human because I guess she has human features, but also like doesn't that makes no sense <laughs> so like she does have a face mm. she has hair but her face is usually blank oh so, my god yeah if you're to see her she has like no features no nose no mouth no nothing um and then others have said that she has like the head of a horse what the um fuck? i don't know <laughs> i don't know um, that's kind of scary and then and then another typical feature of her is that she's dressed in all white with long black long black hair um mm. so i guess kind of like the monster from the ring mm, that's what i was envisioning um, yeah um which is like not very creative but whatever <laughs> um yeah so that's her physical description um and then also like obviously she cries so if you mm. are walking in the woods and you see a lady in a long black hair white dress crying do not approach run away go the other way cross yourself i don't know Mm. do what you gotta do yeah holy get the beads out yeah Yeah, all of it what you gotta do um so the history of this which is actually there's a oh my god there's so much information so i'm probably Mm -hmm. not gonna do the story justice so bear with me um Mm -hmm. okay so the origins of la llorona is believed to be connected to aztec stories and mythology uh, which makes sense because Mexico is a huge was a huge like was where like the Aztecs were before the Spanish came and wiped them out. Mm-hmm. So there is a story in Aztec mythology that is called like the Hungry Woman, and so it's this creation myth of a woman, a wailing woman, who's constantly crying out for food. Mm. I don't know why she's hungry. I probably should have researched <laughs> that, but I already had four pages of information, so I didn't think that that would be a good idea but um yeah so she's crying out for food which like same you know yeah um, me too that was me today <laughs> before we locked <laughs> um so yeah so her wailing is can be compared to la llorona's um and then there's also like the motherly aspect of la llorona which is compared to i'm gonna butcher this name too because it's also nahuatl um goddess and she i guess her name translates to snake woman Uh and so she's considered a deity of motherhood Mm -hmm. um and so she has been described as a savage beast and an evil omen she wears white she walks at night because of course and she's constantly crying Mm. um and so her story is that i guess she's crying because She's looking for children to keep for herself. 
Um, who, hold on. Her seeking of children to keep for herself is also significantly compared to that of Kualtlikwe, who's another goddess. So this, so yeah, so I guess like this story of Chihuacuatl um, can also be compared to another figure in Aztec mythology, which is Kualtlikwe. Mm-hmm. But Kualtlikwe is known as Our Lady Mother or Tanansi. So this okay. this figure is actually comparable to the Virgen de Guadalupe, or the Virgin Mary, um, who's another okay. prominent figure in Mexican culture. So I don't, um, so I don't know how that connection got formed, but it's it's there. Mm-hmm. Um, but Guatlique is a monster that devours filth or sin. So okay. yeah, so I guess those three figures could be seen as like contribution or contributors to the overall mythology and then there is another goddess that this name is also difficult Chalchiutlikwe or the jade skirted one Um, Mm -hmm. so this lady or this goddess oversaw the waters and she was greatly feared by the people because she would apparently drown people I don't know why, but they did. Just drown at people. Okay. Yeah. So then in order to honor her and to like pray to her, the Aztecs would sacrifice children. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Which, um, hmm. I don't know. I guess the Aztecs and the Mayans were, I don't want to say they were all about sacrificing humans because that's not true, but it seemed like, you know, that would, that would probably be a good reason for them. In their in their yeah. mind too, yeah, yeah. But um, I don't know. <laughs> and then she's also featured in Venezuelan folklore. Hmm. This so this um, so in the Venezuelan folklore, um, La Llorona is the spirit of a woman who died of grief after her children mm-hmm. were killed by either herself or her family. It's unclear. Um, and in Venezuela the tradition is that they'll place wooden crosses above their doors to ward off her spirit. Oh, so if you don't have a wooden cross, it's yeah. like, it's game over? Shit. I guess that's like the the thing. And it was, oh. and it takes place during the colonial period, which makes sense to me because that period of colonialism um, in Latin America was, I'm sure it brought up, I'm sure it brought upon a lot of stories to deal with like what was happening or to explain why mm-hmm. all of a sudden people were losing um what which is people were losing what they had always had like land and power and stuff like that so right. um i really hope this microphone is working hold on it is i can hear you okay hello hello and the little lights on i can see it on my end okay good okay anyway sorry <laughs> um so my favorite my favorite though um, I love this. This one made the most sense to me. Is that it also goes back to Mexico, of course, um, and it is believed to be conflated with La Malinche, who um, La Malinche is actually an interesting figure in Mexican history because she's considered both the mother of Mexican people, but also a traitor because hmm. she was literally sleeping with the enemy, so she aided the Spanish. Mm-hmm. So she was a Nahuatl woman. Um, who uh, took the role of the interpreter of Hernán Cortés, um, hmm. who is one of the main conquistadors 
of um, the Aztec Empire who came in, or sorry, he was a Spaniard who came to Mexico and basically was uh, responsible for one of the largest genocides um, in Latin America. Oh. Um, and so she bore his son. Um, Hernan Cortez or the. Yeah. No, so okay. La Malinche bore ah. the son of Hernan Cortez. Um, so, which, I mean, I'm not Mexican. I've never talked to a Mexican person about La Malinche. So it'd be interesting to see what their perspective is about her. But from what I read, she is considered like a traitor to the Mexican people, which, to mm-hmm. be honest, like, not to go too far off this, but I just think it's really interesting. And again, it'd be interesting to talk to a Mexican person about this is that I get why she would be considered like a traitor because, you know, she was an Aztec woman or a Nawa woman who slept with this a Spaniard and then, you know, bore his child and because the Spaniards were the reason for the downfall of the Aztec empire. But also mm-hmm. like, also, I don't know, like knowing the power dynamics in those times it's kind of like did she actually like fall in love with him or was she like raped right you know what i mean that's a good point yeah so i don't know i i don't like i said i'm not mexican i don't know the history of this but it'd be interesting to research it and view and view because also like let's be real like mexico is a very like machismo country Mm. Um, like most Latin American countries. And so to paint a woman in such a light would not be would not be surprising in a culture mm-hmm. like that. But also like it'd be interesting to see like w- if there's any new uh, feminist interpretations of La Malinche's role. Mm. You know what I mean? Like it'd be yeah, it'd be interesting. Um, but anyway, going back to La Llorona. So um, the belief is that La Llorona is La Malinche. Um mm. And so, uh, so yeah, so a native woman um, who served as the interpreter, guide, and later mistress to Hernan Cortes during his conquest of Mexico. Um, so according, I don't know if this is historically accurate, so don't quote me <laughs> on this, but <laughs> apparently Cortes left um, La Malinche after she gave birth um, mm. and instead married a Spanish woman, which is, again, why I think that we should reevaluate how we judge La Malinche, because mm. I think, like, him, in this story, like I said, I don't know if it's historically accurate, but him leaving her after she gave birth to marry a Spanish woman tells me a lot about the relationship. Yeah. Um, but, so, she, as a result, she was, like, despised by her own people. Um, and so then it is said that uh, La Malinche ended up killing Cortez. Oh, sorry. No, not Cortez. His his son. Oh, okay. Sorry. I was like, oh, shit. Um, my bad. <laughs> this was missing from the historical record? <laughs> no, she killed his son. <laughs> she killed his son for revenge. Um, was his son like a child or an old grown adult? I think it was like a baby. Like a child. Um, yeah. Because Wait, the son she had with Cortez? Yeah, because it says here, um, according to this myth, he left her once she gave birth. So it it Mm. can't be that. Yeah. So she killed him in revenge. Mm. Oh, okay. Here it is. Um, There is no evidence that the historic La Malinche, who did in fact exist, um, killed her own children or was exiled by her people. So that might just be like, um, that might just be like uh, just a myth from people. Mm -hmm. Um, However, it is possible that the Spaniards um, brought little pieces and parts of this legend 
um, from Spain to Mexico. And I guess mm. here is where it started forming as the story of La Llorona itself. But it is believed that, like, maybe um, from Spain, they brought some, like, I don't know, little tidbits. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So there's also other connections. Um, there's connections or similarities between the stories of Lilith and Eve and La Llorona. Um, so there, and then there's also, I feel really bad. I, there's literally on my notes, there's just a line that says there's similarities between stories of Lilith and Eve and then like no further elaboration. So I'm really sorry. I don't actually <laughs> That's know okay. what the similarities are, <laughs> but, <That's all> right. <laughs> um, but I would actually, I would actually believe that if I'm not, if I'm not wrong, but I probably am wrong about this, but Lilith was the woman who was married to Adam before Eve. And according to some of the things that I've read is that the story of Lilith was written off because she was not a good example of female subordination. She was like Mm. a little bit rebellious, a little bit strong-willed, not what you want in a wife. So then Eve sort of like was the second wife, which you always know the second wife is way better than the first wife, obviously. (laughs) um she's usually younger prettier you know Mm. um but yeah so that's so yeah so i'm assuming that like with lilith and her maybe i don't know being like a woman of ill repute and then la llorona being a woman of ill repute maybe that was some of the similarities but again i don't know um but she all there's also some resemblance with the story of La Llorona to an ancient Greek tale. Um, mm. So there in ancient Greek mythology, there was a demi demigoddess, which means half god, half human, Lamia, uh, in which Hera, Zeus's very jealous first wife, mm-hmm. learned of this affair um, with Lamia, and as a result. She killed all of the children that Zeus and Lamia had had, um, which is very. Wasn't sad. Zeus like fucking around with everybody? Yeah, Zeus maybe that's was, why Hera. Zeus, Zeus was a slut. Yeah, you know, I'll I'll, <laughs> slut, I'll slut shame Zeus all the time, all day, every day. Yeah, and also like, okay, I'm sorry, Hera, like, she was the goddess of like motherhood and like women or something like that, and I'm like, you are very you're a very bad example of like a goddess right? because murdered all the children. Yeah. And not even that, like she was always hunting the women who got busy with the king, with Zeus. And I'm, let's be real. Like if you're in your bed and Zeus, who is like the top God at Mount Olympus comes to you and is like, yo, let's bang. Are you really going to say right. no? Right. Also, like, like check you, your man. Yeah. Also, wouldn't you be afraid to say no? Because you know, if you say no, like something worse could happen. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure yeah. Zeus was like not like. Well, also, I'm like, pretty sure I've read stories of Zeus like not respecting like consent. No, I actually think I think there's like, I think there's one story where he turned himself into a cow and let himself get fondled by like a lady who thought yeah. she was like like she was like petting a, a cow but the cow was Zeus like she didn't know the cow was Zeus I might be making that up <laughs> I might just be like a pervert and just imagined all that <laughs> but I'm pretty sure that was like one of the stories so like yeah and he would like 
he would like disguise himself or transform himself into an animal and then like like he could be my dog right now oh and when i'm like giving my dog kisses i'm giving zeus kisses you know what i'm saying it's like like peter like peter pettigrew and harry potter oh yeah he was like actually this like gross old man yeah yuck so yeah so hera bad look on your part not Mm -hmm. very feminist of you but that's life i guess yes (laughs) shame on you um so yeah so she killed all the children that she had with zeus um and so lamia was like what the hell man killing my kids that's messed up so she was jealous i guess (laughs) that she had no more kids so she ends up killing other women's kids why not kill Hera's kids? I Two wrongs will make a right, but still, why are you killing other women's kids? Why are you making them suffer? Just kill Hera's kids. Well, can, well Hera's kids were king, were gods. Why don't you call them kings? They were gods. Oh, you can't kill a god, huh? Okay. No. That's not But it's fair. actually really, okay. okay, it's also really interesting because, like, I like Greek gods for the fact that the Greeks were not afraid to make their gods, like, imperfect. Mm-hmm. You know, like they're mm-hmm. like they weren't like free of faults. Like they were all pretty, sh- just as shambly as the humans. Like narcissus, or whatever yeah. his name is. Well, I don't think he was a god. I think he was just. Oh, he was cursed. A curse was put on him. Oh, yeah, a curse was put on him. Um, and the curse was that like, I think it was like he looked into the river, saw how beautiful he was, and then like drowned. Oh, or try to kiss him, try to kiss himself in the lake or something and drowned. I don't know, mm. something like that. Um, so yeah, um, and of course there are several criticisms of the story of Bayorona. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, you're gonna have to help me with this word. I feel really stupid that I don't know how to pronounce this word, but I've only ever <laughs> seen it and I've never like <laughs> heard it. Uh, archetype or archetype? I want to say archetype. I pronounce it archetype, so I think okay. you're good. Archetype. 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 Let's just call it archetype for fun. <laughs> so there is a mother archetype, and so mm-hmm. this is believed um, to be... So this is like um, criticizing the patriarchal expectations of women, um, especially when we take into account where, the, where it stems from, which is like Mexico. Um, mm-hmm. And like I said before, Latin and Mexican culture have this um issue with machismo um where essentially very deep 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 rooted patriarchal expectations and standards Mm. very 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 strict gender roles um and just a lot of rampant toxic masculinity so um yeah so i guess the story of la llorona is also kind of like I guess it also, like, can be used to sort of, like, criticize women who just don't fall into that role of, like, a good mother or what this particular culture believes a good mother is. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so, like, you know, that lady of the sort of that, you know, that version of La Llorona where the lady gets drunk, mm. is hoeing it up, and as a result, her kids drown. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so that could also be like an example of that. Um, and then also yeah. there's criticisms that they are enforcing patriarchal standards. 
So defining women like by the the roles of like mothers. Um, and then also, mm-hmm. yeah, this trope of a failed mother, you know, mm. can be reflected in the story. I don't know. So it's really interesting. Um, I also think like the story of like the wailing woman is also like just adds the idea that like women are hysterical. And like, yeah, right. Like this woman literally <laughs> like spends her whole has spent like eternity just crying. Yeah, you know, like emotional. Yeah, like mm. just crying. So yeah, I don't know. They could have called her like anything else, but they called her La Llorona, which is like could just been like the. Well, I guess any like the, I was gonna say the Mad Woman, but that's still like emotional. But the thing is also like this story is the reason why so many like. Hispanic girls were probably called Yorona when mm. they were like crying about something. Like I know I have. <laughs> so I don't know. It's yeah. Okay. I just feel like it adds. To, I feel like because you're not gonna have like a story about a man wailing. They would probably use oh, a yeah. different word. You know. So yeah. Or are there even any? Maybe I'm wrong. But are there even any like stories of like men, like urban legends of men? that did something that they might have regretted like when they were alive and then now they're cursed to like roam the earth or is that just a punishment that's been placed onto women? That's a good question. I'm not sure. Hmm. I'm sure there are, but I'm, I'm sure there are, but it's probably not very popular. Hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. And I also but- wonder if like the... If, like, like, the whole, like, using La Llorona to discipline children could also be used to, like, control, like, girls, too. Like, oh, you don't want to end up as, like, La Llorona. I don't know. <laughs> no, yeah, I've definitely heard of that. I've definitely heard of that. Yeah. Like, don't go out partying. You're going to end up like her, you know? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, I, that's probably true. That's probably a girl who wanted to go out. Her mom was, like, shaming her to staying in. Yeah, if there's anything Hispanic parents do really well, it's shame. So, mm-hmm. shout out to my mom. Just kidding. <laughs> oh Lord, don't make don't let her listen to this. <laughs> She's not gonna listen to this. She's fine. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Plus, like we're hour and a half in, so yeah. maybe Absolutely. she. Uh... Yeah. Um. Okay, so I have a couple of little testimonies. This is the last part. Okay. Um, testimonies of witness testimonies. Um from legendsofamerica.com. Mm-hmm. So, whether you're a skeptic or whether you believe, uh, I don't know, take it with a grain of salt, I guess. But, okay, so there's one story about a guy named Patricio Lugan. So when he was a boy, uh, him and his family saw La Llorona on a creek between Mora and Guadalupita, New Mexico. So as the family was sitting outside and they were talking... They saw a tall, thin woman walking along the creek. She then seemed to float over the water and started (gasps) up the hill and vanished. However, just moments later, she reappeared much closer to them and then disappeared again. Um, The family looked for footprints and finding none had no doubt that the woman they had seen was La Llorona. Oh, my God. If I saw... Oh, Lord. I don't even know what I would do if I saw that. Like, I don't like the visual of her being, like, far away and then disappearing and then reappearing, like, so much closer. Oh. I would probably have a heart attack and poop myself. 
one of the two. I would have, yeah. I would have, she would need to kill me. I would just, my heart would just give out. Me too. I'd be like, and then die. <laughs> um, so then another story uh, involved a man by the name of Epifanio Garcia, um, mm-hmm. who, oh, I love this. He was an outspoken little boy, which means Aww. he had a mouth on him. Um, <laughs> who, oh, here he goes, who often argued with his parents. Mm. Um, after a heated argument, Epifanio, along with his brothers, Carlos and Augustine, decided to leave the ranch in Ojo de la Vaca, which literally means Eye of the Cow, hmm. to head toward the Via Real de Santa Fe. Um, however, when they were along their way, they were visited by a tall woman wearing hmm. a black tapelo and a black net over her face. I guess tapelo is like what they use to cover their head. Oh. Two of the women, two of the boys, sorry. Oh, that really scared me. I just got an email notification and scared the bejeez out of me. <laughs> two of them. I was like, bam. <laughs> two, two of the boys were riding in front of the wagon when the spirit appeared on the seat between them. Uh, oh, shoot. Oh, my God. My dad just opened the door. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! I don't even want to check my heart rate right now. Let me see that right now. Your pulse is up. Oh my god! <laughs> let's see what my heart rate is right now. Well, it was 103 BPM eight minutes ago, so let's see what it is now. Oh gosh! Why is it taking so long? Sometimes it takes a minute to think. Oh, 85. This is broken. that's not bad. You're chilling. This is broken. <laughs> oh, okay, um, no, I'm just kidding. Um, so yeah, so she appeared in the seat between them. She was silent mm-hmm. and continued to sit there until. Why didn't no one say anything? I would be like, right? "What are you doing?" Who are you? Continued to sit there until Epifanio finally turned the horses around and headed back home. At which time she I said, would... "Hold on." At which time she said, "I will visit you again someday when you <gasps> argue with your mother." Oh my god, that is so scary! I don't think that's oh. real. Okay, yeah, but but wait, who told this story? Was this Epigenio? He like he literally was like, this woman said this to me. I think so. I think it's one of those stories that you tell your kids. Uh, I'd have been so yeah, Don't that's argue true. With me. I'd have been Don't argue with me. Right. If I was Epigenio, I would have like never argued with my mom ever again. It was probably uh, like his mother's friend. Yeah. <laughs> like said. dressed up. Yes. <laughs> he was probably like, go scare my son. He was giving me lip this morning and I didn't like it. <laughs> Did you do you watch Arrested Development? Uh, yeah. Have you seen the Have you seen the episode? Well, it's like a it's like a running gag, of like running gag of um ah of like ah uh, like what's his name the father uh George Bluth Senior he has mm-hmm. this friend that he hires oh that he hires that like every time he tries to teach his kids a lesson it's this yeah guy yeah yeah. yeah. Oh yes, God. I that's, that. like, that's like all I can think of is like, <laughs> yeah, is like that. Anyways, but yeah. Okay, so here's the last one. Sorry, I promise the last one. Okay. Mm-hmm. So La Llorona woke me up. So this is an, a direct like story, I guess, like in the first person. So La Llorona mm-hmm. woke me up once when I was camping at Indian Falls Rapids on the Yampa River in Colorado when I was 15. I walked <gasps> with her to a cabin and there was a man what? in the bed. All I saw was his foot, but when she yelled at me to run, I did. If I didn't smash my toe on a rock, I would have run the, run off the cliff, 
into the Indian Falls Rapids. I saw an article in this month's Mountain Gazette about her and looked her up on the internet. My experience was 21 years ago. Brian, Colorado, October 2008. Why did Brian go with La Llorona? Why did he go with her? No offense to the teenager, but like a strange woman comes to your tent and then you just go with her? Well, I don't know. Like, I guess... I guess he didn't, I don't know. This story is confusing because he says La Llorona woke him up when he was camping. And so he then he said he walked with her to a cabin and there was a man in the bed. All I saw was his foot, but then she yelled at, and she yelled at me to run. I did. If I didn't smash my toe on a rock, I would have run off the cliff into the Indian Falls Rapids. So I guess like he saved her life. She saved his life by you by like no hold on oh no no she didn't because she told him to run and he did but if he hadn't smashed his toe in a rock stopping him he would have fallen into the rapids (sighs) and then also like why did he walk with her to a cabin that's what i'm saying why were you going with the stranger Why aren't you just like, here, come with me. Like, I'm some creepy ass, like, lady in the woods. Come with me. And also, of course, there was a man in the bed. It's probably his cabin. (gasps) So he was trespassing. Oh, yeah. So then he broke into somebody's... This story is... I don't know. I mean, I should have picked this one. I probably should have read it before I put it on here. (laughs) That makes no sense. Hmm. Uh, Well, yeah. Have to fact check him. Yeah, that was weird. There's a lot of Legends of America. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I got my sources from Wikipedia. All that's interesting. Legends of America and AustinGhosts.com. So yeah, so that is La Llorona. That was interesting. The only like exposure, like, but I think, I feel like you've like told me about La Llorona like before, but I feel like the only exposure I've had was that movie with like, you know, that movie with La Llorona. I haven't, and it's like, I haven't seen it, but my brother says it's really bad. Yeah, it was really bad. Like, and I wasn't even like fully paying attention to it, but um, yeah, it wasn't good. There were mm. some jump scares though, but that's the only like knowledge I had of La Llorona. Yeah. From what my brother said, he, he felt that a story like La Llorona and how important it is to Latin American culture and how like and almost any child that's grown up in a Latin American household has heard the story of La Llorona. It is literally like our boogeyman. And mm. so to have a story like that not be given, this is according to my brother, like to not be giving the respect and the hard work to make a movie about, you know what I'm saying? Like it just, he mm-hmm. felt like he felt like whoever created the movie kind of like half-assed it and didn't do the oh, research. Yeah. And he just felt like a story like La Llorona needed, should have gotten like more respect and yeah was, and was and deserved a good movie you know yeah and for any of our listeners whoever you are to the one who, person listening <laughs> the one person listening probably i did yeah probably Ivana. shout <laughs> out to Ivana. um i did there if anyone has shutter which is like a streaming app for like horror movies there is a La Llorona movie on Shudder that is very, very... I haven't seen it, but it's very, very good, apparently. Is it the... Re- it's not the recent one, right? Because I know that I was... When I was doing my research, I saw that there was, like, a couple versions of La Llorona. 
Yeah, I think, I don't know. I think they got released around the same time because I confused them. Uh, but this one was released, I want to say, in the last like three or four years. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, I think that might be the one I was talking about. Yeah, but I don't know. It also like the marketing for this movie for like the recent one wasn't really good. Like I didn't hear about it until like it was already like months later. I don't know. It just seems yeah. like I don't know. And also, no, and I also think like weren't there like white people in La Llorona movie? Yes. Yeah. It was centered it was centered on a from what I remember it was centered on a white family. But then somehow I think like La Llorona was like coming after her kids, the white lady's kids, cuz she was like a social worker and I think she took somebody else's kids away. Something like that. So it was centered on like a white family. I'm pretty there sure. There is a Guatemalan horror film. Called that's the Lyona. one. Oh, yeah, that's the one. That would make sense because, um, oh, okay, that would make sense because Latin America, Guatemala, that would make sense. And it is directed by. It was directed in Guatemala, and it is in Spanish. Mm-hmm. Um. Oh, it's also available in Mayan, Chiquel and Mayan. Ixil. Wow, I'm really sorry, okay. guys. That was really bad. Um, and it is directed by Jairo Bustamante. So, I mean, no offense to white people, but I just feel like a movie based on Latin American folklore would probably be better done by someone who probably grew up hearing the story. And... Yeah. You know what I mean? Like... Mm. Um, cause this one, I mean, it was directed by Michael Chavez, who, I don't know who that is. Okay. Okay. I don't know who that is. Um. Yeah. And Linda It's Car- part of the- Linda Cardellini. Oh, seriously, Linda Cardellini. Yeah, she's in it. Oh, she's a good boy. actress, like, otherwise. But, like, this movie apparently is in the Conjuring universe. Oh. Oh, but, but it's not like- Alaska's is in here. Oh, she's beautiful. She played George Michael, George Michael's, um, no, not George Michael. She played George, Sen- George Jr.'s, Michael, what am I talking about? Michael Bluth's <laughs> girlfriend, <laughs> or Job's girlfriend in, <laughs> in Arrested are you Development. Talking about? <laughs> <laughs> well, because there's George Bluth, because George Bluth Sr., who's played by Jeffrey mm-hmm. Tambor, and then there's mm-hmm. Michael Bluth, who's played by Jason Bateman, which I love Jason Bateman. He's so hot. <laughs> um, he is so hot. Jason Bateman, marry me. Um, and then there's George. Actually, George Bluth George Jr. Michael oh. is actually Joe, played by Will Arnett. But then George mm-hmm. Michael, which always cracks me up if they call him George Michael, <laughs> is played by Michael Sarah. Um, okay, yeah. I hate that they don't ever make a reference to the fact that his name is George Michael, like the singer. Right? <laughs> but they call him George Michael all the time. Yeah. Like, no one ever calls him George. They're like, George Michael. I don't know. I love that show. Yeah, um, I actually, now that you mention it, I want to rewatch it now. Because that show is, like, very funny. And I feel like the second time, watching it the second time, I'll probably catch things, like, because yeah. I hear, like, that's, right. like, they put a lot of subliminals in there. Right. Where I, what I love about Arrested Development is, A, I think it was ahead of its time. I think if it had come out with, like, The Office and Parks and Rec, I think um, it would have done really well. Because mm-hmm. I think it was it was a critic's favorite. 
it just it but it didn't have low ratings it just like had a low viewership mm-hmm. um because it won emmys like it won yeah one emmys so i don't i don't know i just think that america wasn't ready for that type of show i definitely think they were ahead of their time um mm. but also like i can't believe we we're talking about this there is not one single person on that show that is like a filler character every yeah. single person every single character on that show is like gold um, yeah yeah even like the side characters that like just come in and out for like one or two episodes <laughs> are genius um I oh my love, gosh i love franklin who's the puppet do you remember the puppet? oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. the puppet who um is literally just a puppet and he also is like amazing and then um what's the husband's name what's um maybe's mom's husband's name oh tobias oh Oh, tobias 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 cracks me up i thought i read somewhere that tobias was supposed to be like an albino black man and that he but you never it's never like explicitly said in the show but like if you go back and watch it like he references being black like he makes references to being black so i want to go back and watch it so i can catch it yeah i have to watch that (laughs) Um, I like that he's an analropist. Yeah. He's an analyst and a therapist. <laughs> he's an analyst. Um, and he's a never nude. Yeah, always in those little yes. jean shorts. Yes. There are dozens of us. Dozens. <laughs> I love him. Um, yeah. I can't believe... Literally, we're just because just one person from that show had... Oh, and the La Llorona was written by someone named Tobias. And he looks look exactly that. how you would imagine a man named Tobias <laughs> would look like. Um, yeah, interesting. Yeah, so I guess like the, it did $123 million in the box office. So is that, is that good or bad? Or good? I'm assuming that's good. I don't know. They had a $9 million budget. That doesn't seem like a lot. Oh, that's great. Seem, oh, is it? That's good. Yeah, that's really good. Okay. But my brother said it sucked. It did. I, I'm sure people just like saw it, like went to see it because it was like in the Conjuring universe or maybe they're excited mm. about it. But yeah. yeah, I was excited about it, but it did not deliver what it was supposed to deliver. Yeah. I just don't like that it's, I'm sorry. No offense to Linda Cardinelli, Cardellini, sorry. It is not your fault. I just, I don't know. I don't know how comfortable I feel about like the story. I guess I have to watch the movie. Maybe I should. Maybe I should watch the movie before making a judgment. But from my experience for movies like this, is it's probably done with the focus of like the white woman's experience. Mm-hmm. Whereas, that's, like, oh, I feel like that's always a bad move. Like yeah. the center. Also, it reminds me of like um, you know the legend of the Lalori House, which that's one thing I'm also gonna dig into that in another episode. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so the Lalori. Do you are you familiar with the Lalori House? Is that the lady, the white lady who killed slaves and to be younger? Yeah. Well, yeah. No. Yeah. Okay. That's the American horror. Like, uh, that's the American horror story because she didn't kill them to be younger. Uh, it feels like that was like a mix between Lori and Madame Bathory or something. But she basically like was she lived in New Orleans and she she had like a prominent house and she like experimented and tortured slaves. Um, yes. Yeah. So. Basically, like that, the Lori House is being made into a movie, um, and I'm not thrilled about it because they're basically talking about how they're sent. Like, my thing is that like 
how you can't make a move about it because it feels sensational in a way like actual right. enslaved people were tortured and right. there's a lot of like like i feel like you can't you can't make the movie like without providing that like context that this was in a like this was like in a time where people people were in, like enslaved and she was never fully yeah. held accountable like for her actions and they're choosing to like center the movie on the house and it's supposed to be like like the ha- literally the house itself and it's like this feels off but i'll go see it but i'm not crazy about the it yeah i'll just say this before we end the podcast cuz we're running on 55 but oh that's right um i think that <laughs> i think i guess like long story short i think with subjects like that with real life matter like with real life situations especially when there were actual lives lost as a result of these events i think it's always important to pay respect to the people who were victims mm-hmm. um but and also treat it i think it's important to show the real like not maybe not like the vision maybe just just kind of show like the reality of the situation without romanticizing it or downplaying it i don't know mm-hmm. um but agreed i think also like making movies big budget movies about things like that is always difficult because really at the end of the day you're making a movie and you want mm-hmm. it to do well at the box office and you want to make money off of it and so i feel like in the name of in the pursuit of money a lot of the right things to do get lost but agreed who knows i'm just one yeah. woman i don't know well here we are we've done our first podcast we got through it yes we, we are at like two hours but that's okay we'll work out the kinks later um this was fun yeah i had a lot of fun yeah it's so much fun Me too. um so i don't know how to end things okay so th- that's the end more podcasts to come and of course like we are gonna work on i don't know like the format and what i don't know yeah and i think <laughs> once we get used to speaking in front of a camera and a microphone um yeah. it will be probably a lot more condensed <laughs> <laughs> yeah this is so but thank you for those of you that hung in there and listened yeah thank um, you so much good god even if it was just one person shout out to ivana yeah um <laughs> really appreciate it um and hopefully we'll be able to do more episodes like this hell yeah um, so goodbye i guess we'll come up with a cool catchphrase later but for now yeah stay I spooky guess. Oh, that's good. That's good. He's spooky. All right. Um, yeah, well, I guess. <laughs> see ya. Uh, see you later.